0: Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, the founder and managing director at the search firm called the Anthony Michael Group, where we help organizations across the MedTech space, medical device, digital health, and diagnostics. To build high-performing teams, primarily in technical areas like regulatory affairs, quality, uh, engineering, uh, we've even been uh, building a team lately in commercial, in market access as well. And I'm so glad to be here because we regularly have the opportunity to feature best-in-class leaders straight from the industry on all things talent-related. And joining me today is Ms. Dina Ray Walter. Dina Ray is a senior. HR, talent acquisition, talent management leader with over 20 years experience building engaged teams who drive big results. She's had the opportunity to work across many sectors of healthcare, including pharma for companies like Synovian Pharmaceuticals, MedTech with companies, the likes of Insulet, payers like Blue Cross Blue Shield, and even in the employee wellness space for a company called Provent Health. Uh, today, she serves as the vice president of talent management for an organization called Sinosure. And Sinosure is a company that creates energy based aesthetic and medical treatment systems. The company develops and manufactures a diverse range of leading treatment applications for hair removal, skin revitalization, scar reduction, gynecological health, body contouring, and a variety of other aspects of skin care. So, Dina you know, Ray, thanks so much for being here. How are you?
1: Thank you, Mitch. I am really great. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for that introduction.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm honored that you have taken the time to be here with us. We're going to talk about a pretty hot topic, and that is at a a very high level, culture. And uh, I think you would be hard-pressed to disagree with me that it's such a buzz phrase. When somebody says culture, to me, I'm like, what are you talking about? Because culture, really, it means something different to everybody. And I'm so glad that you're here for this topic because I know you have a, a ton of experience really building cultures for organizations, coming in and making huge transformations. And we're going to get into some of that uh, with you here today. But before we jump in uh, to that piece, I want to ask you, what is your definition of culture?
1: Yeah, culture. It's, I love that you said that this is something that, you know, everybody has a different definition for because it's really true. And if you Google, Google culture, you'll get like, It's like Googling leadership. There's going to be thousands and thousands of entries in culture. Um, When I think about culture, and I'm sure there are people who have done a lot more research on this than me, that I think I'm a little bit of a culture nerd. I enjoy reading about it. And when I, I think about culture, I guess I think about it in incredibly simple terms. Uh, I think about it as a a way of life. It's usually a way of life for a group of people, right? So culture is one of those really amorphous topics. I almost liken it to, you know, the air that you breathe. It's hard to describe. Um, You know when you're without it, right? Um, But if somebody says to you, you know, describe the air that you're breathing right now, it's really hard to do that because it's so integrated. Describe breathing for me. Um, It's so integrated into everything that you do on a daily basis. And that's how I think of culture. I think of it as um, kind of the way of life. I think of it as something that has a lot of staying power um, and something that you unknowingly, you know, transition from person to person around you. So it may be rather simplistic. I'm sure there are fancier ways to think about it and say it. But um, that's really how I think of it when I'm doing my work or talking about culture to other people.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've never heard that comparison about. Hey, think about the air that you breathe, right? You know, I think so many out there feel like culture is, you know, perhaps human resources, which I don't even like the word resources anymore. I think it's. I like to say human capital, right? Mm-hmm. Human, uh, because you guys have so much more responsibility within talent management, human resources. But I think a lot of people feel like, oh, that you know, that's part of HR's job is to kind of de- help define uh, our company culture. What? Who do you think should own culture within a company?
1: Oh that's that's a tough question and and very well debated as you well know Mitch you know it's traditionally it's thought of as the work of HR right and this is this is the job that HR does and it's not entirely wrong right i mean HR is concerned with culture, we do a lot of things to build culture and to support culture and to um, create certain cultures in our organization. But you know, I guess culture isn't just an HR challenge, it's a business challenge. And there's a lot of famous work around the fact that culture can undermine amazing, you know, business strategies. And so, you know, when you think about culture, if you're going to take it truly seriously, um, culture is owned by everybody in the organization. Um, But especially leaders, right? Um, Senior leaders, anybody who's in a leadership position, um, they have such a responsibility to shape and align. And as again, it's back to the air that you breathe, right? It's decisions on a daily basis. Who do we hire? Who do we let into this organization that shows culture? You know, who do we recognize in our organization and what do we recognize them for? That's culture. Where do we spend our money? That's culture. So again, back to the air we breathe, it's just this natural thing that happens. Um, And, you know, what always concerns us as an HR people is, you know, are we creating an environment where everybody can breathe a healthy air culture, you know? And um, so I don't think any of us are off the hook. (laughs) I think every single one of us from, you know, a brand new employee who's been there one week to senior leaders and CEOs, I don't think any of us are free from, Uh, being culture builders and having a responsibility. Um, When it's a scenario where culture is owned by HR, what you usually see is a really poor example of great culture.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think right, especially right now, I, I feel like there's so much contradiction or hypocrisy out there where companies are saying, hey, we stand for culture. They've got these great mission or vision statements on their website. And then you find out what really is going on in the company. And a good example right now is how they're treating layoffs. And, and if you look, all you got to do is go on social media and hear from some of the employees about like, hey, is this really what our company stands for and how you're handling the layoffs? And, and so I think it's such a dangerous line to walk about how you preach that we're all about culture. But then not necessarily carry it out in your day to day actions. I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation you've got a lot of experience across multiple organizations coming in and making transformations, building you know what you see to be an effective culture with the help of obviously your teammates and colleagues. what's tell us about some of the wins, what worked really well in the past, some of the things that maybe you can call out from your experience?
1: Yeah. So first of all, um, I would love to tell you that um, I've had all wins in the culture category, but that would be a huge that would be a huge misrepresentation because one thing that I've really learned from going to organization to organization is that there is no secret formula. There is no add a bless B equals great C, right? And so when I'm thinking about wins uh, and the wins that I've had in my career with culture, it really has been about finally, Connecting in to the heart and soul of the organization and what that makes that organization unique, what makes those people resonate. And those are the times that I've had wins. And, and conversely, I have had losses when I wasn't plugged in well. Uh, to that culture and uh, was really trying to do what I felt was best in class because it was best in class according to everything that I'd read and seen and talked to, but it just didn't work. So I will give an example of a win. you know, when so many people started to say, wait a minute, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion uh, needs to be something that's part of our organization. I was not completely on board with that. And this was before coming to Sign Assure, but I, I mean, I felt that in, in every, you know, every fiber of my being that this is something that we need. Um, and then I, I took it to the organization that I was with and I'm on fire and I'm excited and I'm passionate. And they just kind of looked at me kind of funny. And I thought like, wow, and I, I must not be selling this well. I must not be presenting my idea in a way that really is resonating with them. Let me try again, right? Let me go back, reconfigure my beautiful PowerPoint deck, right? <laughs> and go back and try to sell this culture idea again with DEI. And um, again, nothing. When I finally realized that in order to influence, I had to start getting executive team members and other leaders to start telling their stories because it was the stories of their people. So what was happening in my organization, and it turned out to be a huge win, but it took me a while to get there. What was happening in this organization is they were having a hard time looking around at their colleagues and thinking that any of their colleagues had been touched by any of these awful circumstances. Um, You know, they view them as a colleague. And once they started hearing from other people in the organization of, no, this has happened to me, it touched that cultural nerve that these things are not things that are going on out there. These are things that are going on in here. This is happening now and that was when the fire got lit and that was when we saw amazing progress in how we viewed you know inclusion in our organization how we approached inclusion and to this date that organization has the most robust DEI programs and the most engaged group of people i received an email one day of a uh, pride flag flying over the corporate headquarters of my organization of this my organization that i used to work for and the email said to me, today, for the first time, we flew the pride flag over our corporate headquarters. And I know you aren't here anymore, but thank you for this. Wow. Like, yeah. wow. You, I mean, wow. like that moment, I'm even thinking about it now. I'm like, Yeah, you know, trying not to, but that's culture. And that's when you have it right, is that flag is flying over your corporate headquarters. And that is saying to everyone, this is what we believe. And it's part of the air that we that yeah around us. So that's that's definitely one of my wins for culture. But I think so many wins start with not winning. I mean, yeah. you know, in culture, especially because you did something, in your last organization, and everybody loved it and it was the best and people talked about it. And then you go to your next organization and you're like, I'm going to replicate that. We've all done this, right? Every HR professional out there has done this. And then you're suddenly mystified. How is this not, we just, I did this six months ago, people loved it. And again, it goes back to, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not in this air. It's not, this is not that place. And um, for me to be successful in culture, it really is a unique uh, recipe every single time.
0: So much to unpack there. I think that to sum up a lot of it is basically, in essence, street smarts versus book smarts. You could read all this stuff and you can know kind of what in theory should were, right? And have a PhD in culture. But then until you get into an organization and realize the nuances happening there, what the book says may not necessarily be right for that particular situation, right? You maybe would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, I, I never want to discount educational study and academic and research those are hugely important right they're important to how we form our thinking and and the way we we practice as practitioners however it can never stop with what you read in the book right it's got to be all about trial and it's got to be about feedback and it's got to be about you know what's resonating and really being aware and you can't stop at the research right you have to then take it to the next level and really apply it in a way that you know people are interacting with it. And they're they're the ones that are going to tell you if it's working or not, right? It's not ever going to be a book that tells you that this is working.
0: The other thing that I took from there too is, you know, corporate culture is one thing, but it's, I think corporate culture should be, corporate culture is built upon what are you doing to humanize the organization and pay attention to the people who are comprising the corporate entity, which then in turn should build your corporate culture. Thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I love this, actually, because, you know, there's been a lot of studies and research that talks about how important mission is to an organization, right? And how a lot of people, especially our younger workers coming up, really, really want to work for organizations that have purpose and have mission, right? They want to feel like they're doing something good. And I'm I'm no different. I, I have really seen the purpose in the organizations that I work for. My current organization, Signature, incredibly purpose-driven, you know, really embodying that idea that when people feel good about themselves, Mm -hmm. that their inner beauty, you know, their inner energy can come out. However, I have seen in mission-driven organizations how people lose the people on the way to the mission so i i always keep in mind and i say this to people let's not forget the people on the way to the mission because it can almost be um, a mania a mission can almost be a mania a purpose can almost be a mania by which anything is okay because we're serving the greater good we're doing good in our humanity right and that's such an interesting uh, mix of we're doing good we have purpose but in doing so we're overextending our employees to do good in this world. And you see that a lot. I think you're seeing that a lot, maybe even more so during the p- pandemic when people you know, started working at home much more regularly or hybrid um, and had more trouble, you know, creating and defining those boundaries. Um, so I think the humanity of it can never be lost. And it's been interesting to me in my career. Some of the big best-in-practice programs that you launch with fanfare and speeches and everything, they don't have the same impact as the small day-to-day humanities and kindnesses that we can do for each other and in the way that that can build culture and an organization. And in fact, in my, my current organization, Sign Share, this has been a huge... Learning point for me. I came in last year with the maximum cheerleader level enthusiasm that you could ever see in a person come in. I was excited to join this organization. They have been transformation. They're still are transforming, and it was an exciting challenge and a journey. And I want to
0: see, uh, oh yeah, stop yeah. One second. Oh, yeah, can I go no, no no you're you're good but before we get I want to hear about this story but I also want to set the stage as far as what SinoSure has been through over mm-hmm. the last couple of years yeah. and before we do that so you came directly from Insulet to SinoSure yes. right yeah. and I know you had great success there and then you came to SinoSure would you take us back to 2019 because there's been some impactful events that have happened to the organization SinoSure over the last couple of years that I think are really important for the audience to know and then if you could bring us into Last year, where you came on board, and then we'll go from there, if that's okay.
1: Absolutely. And and keep in mind that I am, you know, I am not a, an employee who's been around forever, so I don't know all the ins and outs. But I will tell you, Sinusure has been around for around 30 years. In fact, they just celebrated their 30th anniversary last year. And they were a standalone company and very doing incredible work, very innovative, uh, publicly traded. And then in 2017, Sinusure was purchased by another amazing company, Hologic. And that was really exciting for Sinasure to become part of the Hologic portfolio. And no, no dings against Hologic; they are an amazing company doing amazing things. But the Signusure Hologic partnership—it just wasn't a natural fit. It wasn't a great fit. And you know, I think everyone realized that pretty soon. And in 2019, Sinasure was purchased by a wonderful private equity firm. We call it CDNR. I think it's. Blatant doubler and rice. I hope I got that right. <laughs> it's terrible, but you know, you start using acronyms and you forget the words. Uh, so CDNR purchased shirt in 2019. Um, our current CEO was appointed and started in early 2020. And then two months later, we all know what happened.
0: I think, right? I, was just yeah, I think we all know what happened then. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine? I mean, you've just been purchased. You know, that comes with chains in transition when some people were delighted, some people were not delighted, right? Some people who are former Hologic employees had to decide, do I go back to Hologic? Do I stay with Sign Assure? It just, it's change and transition. And, and for all the joy and excitement that can go with that, we also know the other side of change and transition, which can be stress. And then right at that, the, the global pandemic really starts, um, at least in a way where the United States is really now shut down a lot. And our business is very interpersonal, right? I mean, we are working um, with equipment directly on people. And yet, med spas and dermatology offices and eye doctors and all the places that use our products, they're now, you know, not even able to see patients. So it was a time of great, you know, uncertainty and turbulence, but CDNR was forming this executive team with amazing optimism and care about Sign Assure and really starting to hire talent into the organization to join an already talented group of innovators and experienced salespeople. But you know what, talk about timing. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride. I joined last year uh, with our new CHRO. Uh, I joined about a month after her. Uh, but her enthusiasm about the future of Sign her name is Kelly Teal Guess, um, and I, I like to put her on here because she's an amazing CHRO and a wonderful leader to me. And I was excited about working with her. I was excited about working with this organization that was going to do great things. And that, to go back to my original statement, is how I entered this organization with cheerleader-level energy. <laughs> like uh, So, I hope that kind of gives you an idea. Employees who have been with us for a long time, we call them legacy Signature employees, right? 15, 20, 25 years uh, with this organization. We have another group of people who came on uh, with Hologic, right? So they came on, you know, several years ago. And then we have all of us newbies here who came into this organization as it is with our private equity firm, our partners. And uh, so you want to talk about a Culture mashup, right? You know, you've got former signature people and the way that that signature did things. You have Hologic and the way that they did, Hologic did things. And now you have new signature and all these new employees coming in from different organizations bringing their, you know, mashup of cultures as well. So, you know, it, it became really clear. To us, that like wow, we don't have a signature culture yet. We are we are a many. We're old Sinusure.
0: like a melting pot. Yeah, a little
1: bit of halogic, right? So we're like a yeah. stew. We're a culture stew. Yeah. And how do we create a signature, a one signature, you know, community, a one culture? And you know, walking in with my enthusiasm, and I have had great experiences, and I can do this, and this is why they hired me. It's it's for this reason. And I really wanted to start telling everybody, hey, this is our show culture. We did everything. We did the focus groups. We did the assessments. We did the talking to people, You know, envisioning it with our executive team, all of the things that the books tell you that you're supposed to do, right? And felt really good about our results, still feel really good about our results. And then set out immediately to tell the organization about how to live our values, right? And who who are the people that are showing our values and what are they showing? And It's with with maximum level of joy and enthusiasm. In my experience uh, was, okay, we're putting it out there into the world, this positivity and this energy. And after several months of doing that, uh, really realized through a combination of things that we're basically driving everyone crazy and they don't want to listen to us anymore. <laughs> so, all this amazing values talk, and what we're really doing is just making people mad, right? And not the newbies, they walked in with the same cheerle- cheerleader energy, but the people who'd been around for a while, who'd seen different ways and felt like Signature was their family and all the change and transition, they were literally like, please stop talking you're driving us insane here, right? And that was a moment, that was a real moment where you have to step back and go, okay, I mean, well, my intent is, well, can't they understand the joy that I have for this company and and what I'm saying? And don't they understand that I really believe everything that we're saying? And that's when the light bulb popped on uh, kind of the end of last year, towards the end of last year is that we're saying a lot And what we need to do is do a lot. Now, I'm not going to use my Yoda voice today, but imagine this in the most Yoda way possible, which is, you know, more do, no say. Um, And when that light bulb popped on, it was really the moment where the culture opened for me, for Sign Ashore. And and when it opened for all of us, right? Um, And it was one of those moments where it was like, we just have to completely change the way that we're approaching this.
0: What made you feel that way, though? Uh, what was the Why did that light bulb moment happen?
1: You know, I think it was through many conversations. It was through conversations about the feedback that people were getting about what we were putting. Now, not feedback on paper, but word of mouth feedback. Um, so there was a lot of those conversations in which I maybe wasn't open to hearing it yet right because i really loved what we were doing and i was enjoying what we were doing and then uh, a colleague of mine put it to me this way DRA, it's not that anyone thinks that you don't believe what you're saying and that what you're doing but we're dealing with some real business challenges supply chain challenges like the rest of the world we're dealing with all these challenges that can't come off of a pandemic as well as really building a corporation and it's like, you know, sometimes people feel like these very serious things are happening over there and you're standing there going, would anyone like a culture popsicle? You know, and popsicles are not what we need right now, right? We need answers to some serious business pro- problems that the world, the world is grappling with, you know? And that was, I mean, when somebody tells you that, you got to listen. <laughs> like, sobering. It's sobering, sort of, yeah. yeah. It is sobering. And, and you know, being wanting, being wanting to make a difference and wanting to have an impact That's a sobering moment where you really have to step back. And um, the way I handled it was just to start talking about everything that I had learned this year since starting in Sinusure. What did I learn? What have I, what have I done well with? What have I, what have I learned? And it was through the process of really writing out stuff I learned. It was literally called, it was very fancy. It was called Stuff I Learned in 2021. (laughs) And so in that really fancy style, and it was through the course of that hour or two of just really pouring it over and putting it down on paper that I realized, listen, we have to say less and do more. And that became kind of the mantra as we set goals and the mantra as we chose how to communicate and we chose what to do. We literally put it through the, is this a do or a say? And if it's a do, let's do. If it's a say, maybe we don't need to say that, you know? And sometimes you do. You still have to say some things, right? But that is the lens in which we started seeing the world. And let me tell you, that changes what you do and how you do it. And it has been very successful for us from the standpoint of growth and seeing some impact in the way that our culture is is really starting to feel um like it's it's you know like it's growing and flourishing and it'll it'll be a never it's a never-ending tree right like this tree is never going to be fully grown it's never going to be perfect we're always going to be pruning and adding and doing all these things but at the same time real growth Uh, and you can feel it and the dynamic again it's back to the air you breathe i know that sounds really dorky but that started, you started breathing easier, right? It started to feel easier. You started getting feedback that said things like, hey, this is amazing. I loved knowing this about so-and-so.
0: So well, I was going to ask you, So two things. Thank you for that backstory because it's, it's huge to in the process of understanding kind of where you feel like you may have fallen down and what you did about it and kind of the results you guys are experiencing now. What are some examples of doing versus saying?
1: Yeah, exactly. So here's a probably a simple one that everyone will relate to. We were putting out these wonderful videos with the team to talk about, you know, what does purpose-driven mean to me? Why, why am I living a purpose-driven life? And those weren't resonating as much as putting a program out where you can recognize each other for the values that you see each other living. So instead of talking about Here's what we mean by purpose driven, and here's what it means to some person you've never met who lives in California. We started saying, So look around you, see the people in your world that are living these values, and let all of us know about it. We call it the Be Seen Program. And already the feedback has been wildly positive because, right, I mean, it's so much better to be able to say to a colleague, Hey, thank you for how customer-obsessed and how customer-oriented you are. This person did that, and that really lives our values. So it's not about me saying what it is. It's about people doing it and being recognized for doing it.
0: That's awesome. So in essence, what you're doing is rewarding values as you see them play out against the values that you're trying to instill within the organization.
1: Absolutely. You know, those are the kinds of things that resonate for people. You know, as... As challenging as it can be, sometimes, you know, people think, oh, HR is putting this out and, you know, they may have a, you know, they may have a motive that I don't understand right now. Um, but when it's an opportunity to, hey, you know, show us how you're living it, show each other, think somebody who's helping you. That's a very different uh, vibe, I guess, is one way to put it. It's a very different vibe. And everything that we've done that followed the do had that kind of light, energetic, easy vibe. And the things that we've done that have been about say, they feel harder, right? They feel like there's more tension and there's more push. When really, when when you're doing it and people can see it, you know, it's not a push anymore. You may have to remind them about it once in a while, you may have to explain it to them, but it will start to pick up energy and momentum and positivity by itself.
0: That's awesome. The second part to what I wanted to ask, and you kind of just answered part of it now, As far as, hey, the part of the doing is, you know, demonstrating examples of how we want to reward values and and, uh, spotlight people. And that goes uh, against continuing to reinforce the culture that we're trying to build. But you mentioned, hey, we're really starting to see some great results. stuff. How are you measuring working towards the progress of working towards the culture that you're trying to build outside of, you know, some of these uh, pieces you just mentioned?
1: Yeah. Oh, the old measurement story, right? So measurement is one of the hardest things. And again, culture, because it has so many tangible and intangible aspects, is a very hard thing to measure. Um, I am always interested to hear what other people are doing. We continue to uh, find great value in engagement surveys. It's interesting. Engagement surveys go in fashion, out of fashion, and back into fashion again, Um, So, I know there's a lot of debate and dialogue around whether engagement surveys are really useful and helpful, but at the end of the day, um, we have learned so much that we have acted on in engagement surveys, um, and I think there's the key there. Uh, The measurement and and the metric is fabulous, but if you don't do anything about it, people get really tired of you asking them, right? If you don't ask a question, you're not willing to take action on, right? So. We continue to find a lot of value in engagement surveys and having that kind of um, dialogue with our, with our employees. Um, we have seen, even in a time where, you know, there's a lot of business transformation going on in our organization, we have seen a, a marked increase in participation of the events that we are putting on. We also recently re- uh, launched a program called Be Well. It was BC, this was Be Well. And this is really all around engagement in our organization and wellness. And, you know, we are on a monthly basis trying to tap into what our employees are telling us that they have concerns about, you know, around stress management. Uh, we're doing the August is financial wellness. We just had 60 people show up uh, yesterday for a, a seminar about investing for women and how do you invest. Um, so we're really trying to look at it very holistically. But I think one of the things that you can definitely see is participation in everything moves up, right? People start showing up. Um, We have uh, uh, increased participation in our ERGs. People are showing up to participate for that. People are reaching out to us much, much more and saying, you know, really, really talking about like, hey, we really appreciated that. Hey, we like this. We're using our recognition program. And again, it goes back to now, not what are people saying, but what are they doing? So the do principle works on the opposite end, not just what we put out there. But what we're getting back, so we don't have to hear them say platitudes about like, oh, that was really special. We're watching them do these things with us, and that's how we know, right? That's how we know. Plus, we're always going to reta- look at retention. We're always going to look at turnover. We're always going to look at exit interview data and find out why are people leaving us and what can we do about that? You know, was it a matter of us not engaging them? Was it a matter of this not having a culture um, of inclusivity, a culture of purpose? So, Uh, There's a lot that goes into that. I know I could probably talk for a full hour about that, and that would get really boring for for your listeners. No, It kind of gives you an idea that I think you just have to go at it in different ways, right? You have to look at it from all different categories. What does the data say? What are people doing? And does that doing telling you that what you're doing is the right thing? No,
0: it's awesome. I mean, to sum it up, it's do, not say. And uh, the feedback that you do have or the data that you do have make decisions and execute against what the data is telling you. And yep. it's, if you don't, it's, what's the point of having the data in the first place? And you guys are a, a wonderful example of, hey, what are the benefits of actually listening to what your employees are telling you? Okay. What are we going to do about that? Right? And so kudos to you guys. I want to, I can't thank you enough for being here. I want to wrap up by asking you a question about remote, hybrid, in-person Situation, your opinions, and kind of what's on what Signosure is doing right now, with regards to the majority of your workforce, is how are you guys set up? What are your uh, philosophies on it? How are employees working these days?
1: Yeah, so um, I can't take credit for this idea, but uh, I'm still going to talk about it because I really like it, and and we call it the Work Where You Are program. So we have not tried to. Tell people where to work. If they want to work from home and their job allows that, work from home. If they want to do a hybrid model, they want to go into the op, one, of our, one of our offices a couple days a week, do that, right? I mean, there are some jobs that, right, have to be at the office. If you're working a manufacturing line, you can't do that virtually. But, you know, we really, really believe that we have a talented um, group of people that work for us. Uh, we also really believe in their integrity and uh, we believe that they also they care about the success of this business and the, and the quality of the product as much as, you know, as much as the leader of the quality function does or as much as the leader of HR does. Um, so we let their performance speak for itself and we don't try to over-engineer where people are and when they're, when they're in the office and when they're not. So I don't know if every organization is taking that tactic, but I no. have to say, I do know, I've read, I shouldn't lie. I absolutely know. I've seen it. Like some people being forced to come back to the office that makes them very unhappy or some people not having an office to go to if they want to. And I know it's a really challenging time. I know a lot of organizations are making decisions based on different criteria, um, but I think for us, it goes back to the humanity of it all right? We're making, trying to make decisions that work for our people and then engage and motivate our people as opposed to decisions that make one or two people happy. And, you know, a lot of times that happens. And sometimes it's when the most senior person in the organization wants it a certain way, but you know, it's, it's a different world now and you gotta, gotta live where we are, not live where we were. So, um, that's how we're, and I, I think it was the right decision.
0: I love it. I love it. Work where you are. That's that's awesome stuff. Well, listen, again, I got to thank you on not only on behalf of myself, but on behalf of the audience for the nuggets that you shared today. Kudos to you for, you know, kind of falling down, getting right back up and having huge wins to speak about as a group. And I uh, wish you guys nothing but future success to come. If it's okay with you within the show notes, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, as well as a link to SinoShare for those who are interested in learning more about the organization, and if you're okay with it, anyone who perhaps wants to reach out with questions, if that's all right.
1: That would be wonderful, absolutely. We're really proud of Sign and where it's going. So if you wanna join an amazing team who's got a great transformation going on here, um, it's it's a great place to be. And thank you, Mitch, for inviting me to do this today. I think you guys can tell that I love talking about culture, so um, big time. I kind of culture nerd out a little bit, and it was fun to do that with you today.
0: Awesome, thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.